I'm David Urban. I'm a leadership development specialist and best-selling author, and I want to welcome you to the Leaders Navigator podcast. The premise is simple. The podcast will provide you with insights for living and leading the authentic way so that you'll be better equipped to amplify your positive impact as a difference maker in any area of your life. What's uniquely special is that I'm doing this podcast together with my daughter, Haley. I am super excited about this opportunity to work jointly on this project that we are so passionate about. So stay real and uh, stay with us today. It's good to have you here. It's good to have you with me here, Haley. Excited to be here. We we had a great discussion yesterday in preparation for this about finding that the topic is finding authenticity in the noise of self-development. So give me your thoughts right off the bat. What, What... interested you because you kind of raised this topic so what is it about yeah. this topic that interests you I think initially like I could think I, I kind of was drawn to this because um I've been just sort of you know messing around on social media and I found this challenge came out two years ago uh and it's called the 75 hard challenge uh and it's 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 came about in March of 2019 so pre-pandemic but it kind of I see it kind of come up again in waves of popularity it seems to be having another wave um on social media nowadays obviously like you know through the pandemic and things like that it kind of had you know peaks and valleys but it seems to be making itself popular again and so I was reading a lot about it and I was like oh what is this so I went and did some googling about it and so it was created by this this man who owns a supplement company named uh, Andy Frazella. And uh, essentially what it is, is it's a 75 day challenge for like, I think he calls it for mental hardness or mental discipline. And the gist of it is that for these 75 days, you follow some sort of diet. The diet itself is not specific, but some sort of, you know, clean eating, keto, something, something trendy. Um, you're supposed to work out twice a day for 45 minutes each. And one of those workouts is supposed to be outdoor. Uh, you're supposed to drink four liters of water, uh, which seems like a lot. You're supposed to read 10 pages of a nonfiction book. Uh, you're supposed to take a five minute cold shower and you're supposed to take a progress photo every day. And so I was seeing this pop up all over Instagram and TikTok, and, and it seemed to me like this seems really quite unreasonable and the big catch with all of this is that if you slip up on any of those sort of rules Andy Frazella says you have to start all over again at day one and I'm thinking about this and I started doing some research and not a lot of nutritionists are very happy with this program uh because it definitely seems to open up the door for disordered eating and people obsessing about what kind of food they eat um and especially in light of you know having like these very very active fitness regimes not to mention the taking a progress picture every single day and um four liters of water also just seems quite excessive uh what are your thoughts on all of this as you see like and and i see like this is just one of i guess many examples of these sort of trendy fixes for whether it's for your body or your eating habits or your exercise regimes or personal fitness or mental fitness um, what are your thoughts on on seeing all of these? Like, how do you find, you know, when it's all about personal development, this is the world you work in. Um, you know, how do we how do we find what's actually good and healthy and and what's just too much and trendy? Well, it's a great question, and I don't think, from my research, there's any question that there's an element of self discipline 
an, an element of self-care, um, an element of, you know, having a clear vision in your life and then taking good care of yourself mm -hmm. um, makes you all a better leader. And mm -hmm. I think it's really paramount to be intentional about hab health habits and personal development habits, whether they're reading habits, or um, I hope listening to podcasts might be on your, your habit <laughs> list. But in this world where we are inundated with noise and marketing opportunities, what happens is that people's experience that might work for one person becomes a prescription for the masses. Mm -hmm. And so we, we end up feeling as though this, we get these fads and these gimmicks and we're vulnerable to not necessarily any kind of research or any kind of science that backs any of this. But if people say it on the internet, it must be true. And I mean, we got to be careful of that ourselves. That's why I am very adamant that I'm not anybody's guru and that we aren't going to be, we aren't offering prescriptions here. We're offering principles. And it's my fundamental premise to guide, you know, to, to be committed to guiding people to their own, what I call your own inner authority, your own inner voice that says, this is the right thing for you. And what's, what's right for me and may not be right for you. And take what we're, we're offering here and find your own truth in it. And this is the, the dilemma today. I, I don't know if it's a dilemma, but it's certainly in reality, there's so many voices and how do we discern what's right and wrong? And how do, you know, and just because, just because it's on the internet doesn't make it true. And, and so I think the whole notion of self-examination is important and finding your own path um, that, that is legitimate for you, uh, that works for you so that you can guide anything that we say is the premise is to guide you to your own inner authority. So I guess it's so funny what I, what I think about, you know, all of these challenges and things like that is that it's really seems to be uh, not even about like leadership so much, but followership, right? And, and I guess like, can you be a healthy follower or, you know, how can you practice good followership so that you can be a good leader, I guess, is another good question too. Like if you're, if you're learning these, you know, advice and, and things like that from, from all of these different noise and voices, um, you know, is, is there, you know, authentic followership that can be done, do you think? Well, I'm not sure that I believe in the notion of followership, to be mm -hmm. honest with you. I believe inspiring people is important. Mm -hmm. um, but I think if you're going to if you're going to follow anything, it should be following your own voice, your own mm -hmm. your own inner conscience. Mm -hmm. And that's what we really need to be guiding people to. I don't I don't define leaders as the capacity to have a followership. Mm -hmm. um, and it's so easy to get on bandwagons today and and to, to get on trends today and lose ourselves. And it would be uh, the antithesis of what authenticity is, is if we gave a prescription and expected people to follow it. So if I don't think there's anything wrong with collective challenges, but why don't we make it such that we you know, if, if, if we want to have an exercise challenge, for example, pick an exercise that works for you and exercise 
uh, so many hours a week that work for you and be consistent with your self-discipline path and then count that as a success. So it's not in comparison to other people. And I know that my, my way isn't necessarily the most popular because I'm guiding people to their own truth. And I probably could be a lot more successful if I got on the bandwagon and offered and offered another, uh, you know, trendy path to fitness or to personal development. But I have to be true to my own conscience. Mm -hmm. And so this is the this is the direction that I operate in my life. And I, I'd be curious how you find this with students. Do you really want students to follow you as a teacher? No. How do you how do you embrace that notion? No, I mean, like, I think there's a difference between blindly following and being inspired by. And I think the difference is when you're being inspired by something, you aren't totally morphing yourself to take on the personality or the attributes of somebody. You're not becoming somebody else, but you're, it's that critical process about taking elements from another person and adopting it into your own practice. And I think that's where the line for these like extreme challenges can come from is that there's that lack of like critical thinking of stopping and thinking, you know, is this actually a good practice for me, um, which doesn't always exist in teenagers. And I guess that's why these challenges, especially on platforms like TikTok, which tend to, you know, market themselves towards younger generations, is that teenagers don't always know themselves. They don't always know how to ask those questions and to think critically and think, you know, is this actually something that will help me in the long run, or are there elements of this that I can take on? Uh, it's sort of that all or nothing approach. Um, and so, and I, that's where I think it can be really quite harmful um, is that it's, you know, you're, you're trying to like completely all encompassing. And if, you know, if, if the entire thing fails, then you are thereby a failure. And I don't think that's a very good way to look at it. Um, so I think that's where, you know, it's, it's finding the line between inspiring and directing i guess as somebody in a position of authority um because especially teenagers are quite vulnerable to trends to words of advice and they're not as quick to criticize or to think critically as adults are granted there are lots of adults who don't do that either um which is why i think these challenges can be so harmful and popular at the same time um, but it, it's it's thinking about like what do you yourself need right now, um, and what what is a healthy amount of discipline? What is a healthy amount of uh, advice to take? And what is what are some elements that you can abandon and, and choose to not take? Everything can be taken too far, and yeah. everything becomes every strength becomes a vice mm -hmm. if it overexceeds its function. Mm -hmm. But fr frankly, you know this is a this is a, a path, a step along the way. Adolescence is a step along the way in what we do uh, to, to, to being an adult. And so part of being an adolescent is we glom on to trends and gimmicks uh, in an insecure period in our life as our brain is developing and we don't have a surety of ourselves. But then if we have a culture that doesn't have good initiation from a boy to a man, from a girl to a woman, and we're not properly given a community where we make that initiation and mm -hmm. move into an adult phase in our life, we frankly have a have a society of adolescents mm -hmm. that operate in an adolescent mindset. And I see this all the time in organizations 
when I see people with this victim and blame mentality that we we operate with an expectation that leaders are supposed to uh, be good parents to us and meet all of our expectations. And if we're not, then we're mad at the t at the at the at the t at the parent. And we treat we project onto our leaders what we are what we lack the courage within ourselves. Mm -hmm. And it becomes an adolescent relationship, a parent-child relationship. And a big part of my work is to shift our organizations into from, an, from a parent-child relationship into an adult-to-adult relationship. But it begins with this notion of, are we, are we finding our own truth? When we talk about a podcast that says we're going to navigate, you know, the leader's navigator, what are we navigating? We're really navigating you to your own voice to your own conscience, and so that you lead from that place and that you help people find their voice. Um, and that's to me. And then if you can get collective voices, yes, we can have a shared vision, but let's not lose our voice in the process. And I think you mentioned a really good point too, right? Like, I think a lot of um, harmful leaders and i i don't i want to find a better word than leader i don't want to use dictator because that seems very strong um but i think like you know harmful people in positions of authority um they prey on that insecurity and that lack of courage they take these people who are in these vulnerable positions uh and they they exploit that for their own gain right and so like this is what you know good marketing is right and especially like you know, with with these like sort of challenges and 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 things like that, it's taking these people when they're the most vulnerable and making them reliant on that leader, right? And there's you know, if you look at you know sociology and and cult like charismatic leaders, right, who run these cults, that's one of the things that they do. Um, and I think it's 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 exactly right. It, it you know, if you can find a way of of getting into a relationship that is like you said, right, adult to adult, recognize your own lack of courage find these moments these areas that you need to develop more you know security in yourself and esteem in yourself and work through those insecurities you're less likely to be sort of preyed on and you're more likely to to work with people as equals as opposed to that prey predator um relationship well and that's why we have to move beyond um compliance as a leader yeah. and yeah. and this notion of following me um we really have to re-examine that. Um, so, and this notion of critical thinking that you're making reference to, we, you know, before we just forward something on, something that, some kind of fact that's presented as a fact on the internet, before we just push send, uh, let's actually use our brain to say, where did the, where did the background come from this? Is it, you know, is it true? How did this person come up with this assumption? Let's use a little bit of thinking um, to, to do that. And this is an indication of adolescence is as the brain develops, it's no fault, uh, but as the brain develops, it's learning how to be a critical thinker. And this is what I'm sure you do as a teacher is to teach this notion of critical thinking because uh, one of the indicators of, of uh, an adolescent immature brain is impulsive acting. And if you're just impulsively behaving your way through life, uh, it's not going to end well. Mm -hmm. And taking that time to ask questions, right? And I, I think like that's, 
you know, media analysis 101, but also just like thinking about any positions of power or authority, right? Like where do they get their power and authority from? Um, and recognizing that there are some, you know, powers and authority that have very credible backgrounds and they're here to support and guide us, in which case don't question, you know, Health Canada, for example, right? They're experts, they know way more about XYZ than I will ever, right? Um, and, and they're in that position because they actually know what they're doing. But if it's a boss that's asking you to do too much and asking you to, um, you know, that work well beyond what's reasonable for your job description, then maybe that's a good point to question and to ask, you know, is this, this the type of environment that I really want to work in? Is there a way of remedying this? Um, is there a way that I can develop my own courage and my own confidence? Or is this not a hill I'm going to die on today and, and I'm going to put my energy elsewhere? Because I think there's also value in that. But it's asking those type of questions and self-reflecting on, um, you know, when you're faced with you know, an, an, an opportunity to, to sort of make a decision to act and, and think about who's asking you to do that. Um, and is it a voice that you trust? Um, is it coming from a place of maliciousness or is it coming from a place of caring? And then you yourself uh, choosing to answer that call, um, you know, at which point, you know, good can come. Absolutely. And then this notion of violence where mm -hmm. we impose our will, and that's how I define violence as any imposed will upon another. I mean, that's uh, obviously that's not good leadership is when we use our positional power to impose our will on people. Exactly. But at the same time, um, we, we have to guide people to their own truth. So let's circle back then and go back and revisit this notion of self-development. And note, let's, let's talk about some principles of self-development as leaders that people could adapt into their own life and govern themselves according to some principles that we have found for ourselves to be important. So what are the principles for your own development important uh, in, in your work as in teaching? I think self-reflection is a huge one and honest self-reflection, being honest with, you know, what are some areas of improvement and what are some areas of strength? Right. And really authentically ask that and ask other people for feedback where you can. But that moments of, of reflecting, where do I where does my energy need to go today? Um, I think that is a huge that is a huge piece. And just taking that time to really honestly stop, be in the moment, think about where you are, think about your strengths, think about areas of improvement. And I say that specifically not as weaknesses, um, but areas of improvement um, because they're you know, it's, it's that growth mindset. It's a teaching teaching term, but it's that I can't do it yet. Okay, so what is that you can't do it yet, right? And what does it need, what does it take to be able to succeed in that to a, a level that you're satisfied with, right? And, you know, whether that be running goals, whether that be uh, work goals, whether that be, um, you know, reading 10 pages of a book that you enjoy a day and more time to read. Um, but, you know, what is an area of improvement for you in your life and self-reflecting on that? And then I think the other thing that I find really important is, understanding your own energy levels which can also come from self-reflecting because sometimes you know there's not enough energy to to improve and that's totally okay you know like there are times when i am in no place to i'm in this you know this this dip um in what energy i have and i have no space for personal growth no space for uh, improving no space for goal setting and goal meeting. And I just need to sit and be and be present, but that's also part of the, the self-reflection process. Uh, and I think that that's totally okay too. I don't, you don't always have to be striving for better. You can, it's also okay to just be, 
Um, and I think that's a, a, a huge piece of, of just like recognizing where your energies are at. Uh, and sometimes that means, yep, that the dishes need to wait an extra day before they get done. That, yep, you know, you need to spend a night in instead of going out to, you know, your kid's soccer game. Um, but recognizing where your energy levels are at and, and, and during those times that you do have more energy that, yeah, you know what? Go for a run. You know what? Go to the gym. You know what? Write in your journal, read a book uh, when you have the energy for that. How about you, Dad? What are, some, what are yeah, some? I love that. I love this notion of energy management. Yeah. And, you know, it's not so much about time management anymore. It's really about where our energy is going. And, you know, anybody in a teaching role and a leading role knows that it takes energy to hold the space for people. It takes energy to inspire people. It takes energy to have a shared vision and to inspire people to move toward a shared vision and not just use your authority to do that so where does that energy come from and recognizing too that it can be an ebb and flow between people right like there are times that i work on a team uh, at work there's a group of us teachers and there are some parts of the year where some of the teachers have more energy than i do and they can take on more roles for planning and facilitating things and vice versa uh, and recognizing the moment when to step up and when to delegate and, and recognize that not everybody's going to be in the same place of their career or same energy place. Some people have stuff at home going on um, and, you know, being able to 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 pass that energy baton for growth and progress and be able to take it back when you have that space to be able to do that. 100%, 100%. And you know that I have had to come up with my own um, self-care system. Mm -hmm. uh, from my own suffering and from my own challenge with mental health, uh, you know, and, and inheriting some of the inherit, you know, I inherited some of the mood, you know, this propensity toward mood swings from my family and from my response to the trauma in my family. And from, I think there's a biological component from my father, but um, so I've had to, through my own challenges, come up with my own, what I call a strength building system. And it's my premise that we all need anybody in any kind of, if you're passionate about making a difference in the world, we need to have a strength building, some kind of a strength building system aligned with your values that sustains you and upholds you and gives you energy so that that work that you're doing, the vision that you're realizing in life comes from overflow. The work toward that vision comes from overflow, not emptiness. So I have developed my own strength building system to maintain a sense of integrity and a sense of self-respect mm -hmm. uh, so that at the end of the day, I feel better about myself doing some hard stuff, doing things like knowing the art of the long view, which is, you know, so for me, it's a physical oriented strength building system. It's a mental, there's a mental component to it and there's a spiritual component to it, mm -hmm. um, which is very personal to me. But the some of the the physical components i'm i'm oriented toward exercise so i'm oriented toward doing something hard exercise wise with my body every day and what i the long view says you know what i, I don't necessarily feel like exercising right now but i made up my mind i made an agreement with myself i might not be spectacular but i'm going to go out and do something you know get down in the gym or go for a walk or get on the bike um, and I, I may not do be spectacular at it, but I'm going to feel better at the end of the workout. And even if the energy doesn't, you know, and it's, it's my belief around around exercise that it should give, actually give you energy as you may start off in low energy, but it should raise in energy. And if it doesn't, I can cut it back 
I can stop early, but at least I showed up. And mm -hmm. there's this notion of showing up that for me gives me a sense of self-respect. I like to get up at the same time every day. Even if I get to bed late, even if I don't sleep well, I get up at the same time every day. But that's what works for me, paying very close attention to my diet and recognizing certain foods just throw fuel on my depression. So there's certain foods, processed foods, I just need to stay away from mm -hmm. because I know I pay a price for the, for the short view of saying it might taste good, but just because it tastes good in the moment and gives me an immediate hit doesn't mean that it's good for me long-term. So these are the kind of things that I have found for myself, having a regular pattern of reading and studying and reflecting and writing in my journal and having quiet time every day. These are some fundamental habits that I have developed and put into my own life, not because I'm any kind of a saint, but because it's my own well-being that I've learned through pain, that I've said, no, you know what, I would rather, you know, we're going to pay some pain sometimes. So we either pay it now or we pay it later. And so, um, and so I, I just, for my own quality of life, I've got some of these fundamental disciplines that I've that I that have emerged from from my own suffering, if you will. It's funny, and I found the two things that I found that have really worked for me. Um, number one is rewards based. So I know you say like you know playing the long game, but for me, it's so funny. Just different ways of operating. Uh, for me, I need these little rewards to work myself through. Um, and so if that means you know like you know I remember in university I used to like put little pieces of chocolate on each page of my textbook. So that as soon as I read that page of the textbook, I would treat myself to a little, that's you know, funny. a little chocolate uh, or something that's worked really well with my students because, and I, I think I keep offering this as a suggestion to students because it worked for me, uh, is suffer for 15 minutes and then I will give myself a reward. But what ends up happening is that when I'm sitting down to suffer for 15 minutes, uh, whether it be working out or whether it be studying or whether it be marking or whether it be getting a, a, a you know, if for a student, whether it's for them for studying or whatever, uh, after that 15 minutes, I'm either in a headspace to keep going, and usually I am, usually I'm motivated to keep going, uh, or I quit and I say, you know what, at least I got 15 minutes done, at least I got something done. Um, so for me, setting timers has been a huge, huge thing, and then I can reward myself after that with a little break or going for a walk or something that I find really enjoyable because I have to section it up. Uh, and for me, that's the challenge um, is to, you know, being able to sit for 45 minutes or 30 minutes to be able to do some sort of unpleasant task. Um, and I heard this really good other little way of, of self-improvement too, that um, I just heard today, it was a, a therapist who works with autistic or with children who are on the autism spectrum. Um, and she suggested if you, if you really, if you're trying to motivate yourself to do something you absolutely hate, um, and you're trying to stop yourself from doing something you absolutely love, um, so you look at this activity that you absolutely love. So for me, it might mean, um, I don't know, if I'm trying to motivate myself to mark, that's the activity that I absolutely hate. I detest marking. Uh, and the thing that I absolutely love is to, uh, you know, go and be outside. Right. So to go from being outside to going to mark, like that's a big jump. That is a huge jump in going from something I love to something I hate. But if I move from something I love to something I like, uh, for example, being outside to coming inside and cleaning, I actually really quite enjoy cleaning. Good. That's easier than you can go to something you dislike a little bit. 
right? So going from cleaning to cooking, for example, for me, and then from cooking to marking is a lot easier of a stepping stone, a lot easier of a progression than to go from something I absolutely totally adore to something I totally hate. The way I put it for students, if they're big on playing video games, to go from video games to homework, that's a big jump. But if you go from video games to perhaps watching YouTube, right, which might not be as gratifying as video games, uh, and then from YouTube to, you know, going for a little walk, uh, and then going from a little walk to doing some homework, that's a lot easier to swallow than just going from video games to homework. That's too big of a jump. Um, so finding these little things, and again, that comes from self-reflecting, that comes from asking yourself questions, that comes from looking at others who inspire you, uh, to find these little like tips to help you improve and develop. What and again, I love here we about go. That. Yeah, Sorry? what I love about that is that we're both different. Yeah, First totally. of all, there's a generation difference. Yeah. You know, there's 35 years difference. So, you know, what I, what I do believe we're all unique. You found your way. I found my way. Mm -hmm. um, we're all unique and our needs change over time. So, you know, you might want to be adaptable. So 20, 30 years from now, uh, you might say, you know what, I'm, I'm evolving to where, you know, if I interviewed you 30 years from now, would, would you have a different plan for self-care? Oh, and absolutely. I, I'm, I'm yeah. assuming that we grow and that we have to respond to different needs with ourselves. But to honor that, exactly. what, what is common, though, is that we're both intentional about it, that we don't just let life happen. That mm -hmm. is what I have found in my own research and from my own experience. That does not make an authentic leader. If you just react to life and do what you feel like, and you're not intentional on having a, what I, some kind of whatever you call it, whether it's a self-care system or a strength building system or some way to look after and manage your energy. It is imperative as a leader to have some kind of a system from my experience. And I think to know yourself exactly like you said, right? To know yourself and to be intentional. And when you're reading these, these posts by experts or listening to this very podcast by my dad and I, right? Or, or you're reading an article or you're reading a self-help book to realize that it's not an all or nothing approach, right? There people aren't carbon copies of each other. It's okay to cherry pick elements that will work for you, but it's about knowing yourself to know what to cherry pick and, and to try not to be afraid of new, trying new things or new systems or new strategies. Uh, if you have the energy for it, if you don't have the energy for self-improvement, it's cool to just chill too. And, and be your own, your own guide, your own yeah. reference point, your own authority in this. Exactly. And there's nothing wrong with having a teacher and being inspired by teachers, but be your own guru. Exactly. I like that. <laughs> I am part of all that well, I have met. <laughs> as we wrap this thing up, what are you grateful for today, Haley? I am grateful for uh, the chance to move my body outside. That's been a big one for me this week. It's not as dumbly hot as it has been. So I appreciate that. Uh, and I'm also grateful for the opportunity to start fresh. We're going back to school in just a, a, just like about a week and a half here. So I'm really excited. I've got all these big, fresh ideas to start with my students in September. And I have lots of energy, uh, lots of energy blocks, energy jelly beans in my jar. So I'm really excited to be able to, to start from scratch. Um, you know, start fresh, start new year. How about you, dad? Oh, that's great. Well, I'm in, you know, the, the older you get, <laughs> the more you appreciate mobility. So at this moment, <laughs> I'm appreciative that I can move my body. That's and good. that is not a small thing. To me, it's a miracle that if I stop and just appreciate 
the fact that I even can move my body. Uh, I want to be grateful. I'm grateful for that. And I'm also grateful that I was raised with parents who taught me how to think mm -hmm. and who really reinforced this notion to be my own inner, my own authority. And even though I've struggled with it in my life, I was given the foundation, the seed early on in my life to think for myself and to, and to be a skeptic and, you know, to, to really question um, when, when something comes in front of me, to really question it and to do the rigorous uh, research to find mm -hmm. out if it's accurate. That's the best. Yep. Be a skeptic and do the research and trust the experts <laughs> and to know who the experts are. And on that note. Stay real. Stay real. And it's, it's been great. See you next episode.